Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conway Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And we actually have back-to-back weeks where we're actually doing a podcast. So this in the is, summer, it's exceptionally rare. I will not be here next week. Yeah, I was going to say, don't get used to it. Yeah. But but we're here today, and um, I I'm kind of apologize in advance. My voice is... Sexy. <laughs> fill in the blank. <laughs> Perhaps it's it's gone is what it is. I only have the lower register of my voice. So um, you're not taking like testosterone nope. or some sort of like this is all natural, baby. Gender affirming. All <laughs> natural. Low tone. <laughs> How low can I go? No, my uh so there's a there's a uh a semi quasi conduit basketball team that is assembled for a local rec league. That is a torn ACL waiting to happen. (laughs) I'm not on it. So don't fear. Okay. Mo's good. We're good. I I learned my lesson a few years ago um, that I'm just too old to play rec ball. Um, But the young guns are firing all cylinders. So, you know, you got the, the Joel and Micah and Brady and Gabe and a handful of others. Um, and so I was at the game and, you know, once a coach, always a coach, I wasn't asked to coach, but I can't help it from the stands because I've coached all these boys since they were literally eight years old. And so now they're 22 and, uh, it's just, I was yelling the entire game. So my voice is gone. <laughs> So you, are you yelling them plays, yelling at them? Hustle, get down, rebound, get your hands up, you're out of position, drive, cut to the lane, set it up, hustle back. Just And, and you know, I'm also yelling at the ref, but that's neither here nor there. So asking, you know, as a non-sports enthusiast, who go, I, go, I go and I sit at soccer games with my kid, and, you know, whatever's fun. But I hear parents doing that. Yeah, it's awful. But I'm like, do do they think these kids hear them? Like, is this is is this? Well, yeah. So that's that's a really good point. So like soccer and football, you know, parents are screaming uh, from the stands. You know, I coach. I still coach football. I coach middle school football. So I'm on the sideline, and there's zero chance that their that their child can hear. Yeah, there's no way when you're in the middle of the field like the sound waves just don't travel as far and there's so much happening like it's just all tuned out but in a basketball arena where you're like right there you for sure can hear uh, me blabbering so at some point whatever get the ball down and and Joel's like oh I didn't think of that I should go do that because Mo just reminded me yeah it's like yeah exactly because Joel your guy is unguarded under you know Get underneath, get underneath, and he's like backside, backside. Like he knows what that means. Backside means so what, oh, so, I got a guy behind me. And so, what if there's conflicting advice from the sidelines? There was no other. There was nobody given any advice. It was uh, all their wives and me. So that <laughs> so. means so that means Jenny wasn't there. Is what you're saying? Well, she was there, but uh, she was handed uh, Brady's uh, 
and Katie's brand new baby. Oh, so she was. Uh, uh, okay. so she was playing mama with yeah. Kobadiah. Have I you, call him Kobadiah. So do you and Jenny, when you're at a game normally, she's yelling, you're yelling. Do you ever disagree over the call? A hundred percent. And there was one time last night where she placed her hand on my knee. Um, and I know what that means. That means shut it. Like that's enough. Calm down. Um, and, so, di- and did you? Um, in the moment. And then revved right back up the next play. So the moment, meaning like a second and then... Like I acknowledged. Yeah, so technically, no, you did not. That's what, you're, <laughs> that's what you're trying to say. I mean, you can say I did, but that's like, it's like getting beeped at the stoplight because the light is green and you inch forward a minute, but you still stay at the green light because you didn't, you didn't listen. Like, it's so bad because I told myself when I, I'm literally walking into the building, like, you know, just enjoy the game, just be present. You're here to root on the kids, the you know, these young men. Say hi to the friends and family that are there. Like, don't get tied up into this. And <laughs> tip off, I'm already fully engaged and, like, barking. It was just awful. So, anyways, they lost by two points at the buzzer, which hurt all of our feelings. We were all very sad. Who were they playing? And I don't know. Was it another church? I, I, I think so, because they were super nice guys. <laughs> they were way nicer than, 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 than most of the teams there. Um, nicer than our team. No, our guys behaved well. I mean, I was probably the most unruly, and I'm not even on the team. I was in the stands. Um, the the game before us, the guys got kicked out because the fight started. So, um, but so none of that happened in our game. So it was very wreck <laughs> <laughs> ball can. That must get have been the away. belonging code. You think they got kicked out? <laughs> Those Australians they go hard uh, on the basketball. Belonging code. co and our friends at the Rolling Hills they were just getting after it. You know, I can see Rolling Hills being competitive. What, what would Church of the City's personality be in that situation? Because Whitehead's competitive. Yeah, I mean, wreck ball is just competitive in general. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's a bunch of former athletes still trying to figure it out. Were you part of the Toby Mac basketball late night I was, squad? I was. And that's when I learned. I learned a couple things. I learned that Toby uh, is one of the most fiercest competitors you'll ever, ever play against. 100%. <laughs> um, and his three-point sh- three shot's terrible. And he, well, he's he like doesn't five know foot it. Five. I know. It's like he can't drive to the lane because he's, he's a small guy. So he just chucks it from long range and he never makes it <laughs> now i will say never i'll just say this he's way better at golf than basketball like Wait, golf he could literally go professional golf if he 100%. wanted to i don't know if many people know that about toby mac but he is legitimately a, a like a almost semi-pro golfer and could have gone that way in college that's true that's how he got to liberty right 100 percent golf, golf scholarship. scholarship yep yeah yeah, my former domestic business partner grew up on the sixth hole of a golf course in Little Rock. His neighbors were the Jacuzzi family, so this will give you an idea of there you the, go. the neighborhood. And uh, Chance was on the short list for Toby, because when Toby gets invited to play a celebrity tournament, he just can't not try to win. So he has a, he had the short list of people that he wanted on his team. Had nothing to do with how famous they were. Like, he wasn't trying to get Michael and Amy and Stephen Curtis. No. He wanted to win. So you'd see Toby and, like, three other guys that, you know, look like they just came with their dockers and their, you know, pocket protectors. And Toby's in a whole— win. I mean, he's in that, like—he's in that, like, star circle of guys that are, like— Like Nate Bargatze, the comedian. Mm-hmm. He's a Nashville guy. 
huge golfer. Like him and Toby golf a bunch. Um, who's another guy that golfs a bunch? There's the uh, he's friends with like Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, who are all believers, but are like former NFL guys that are incredible golfers now. <laughs> like Toby's rolling, man, with with uh, with these with these guys, and they play some super competitive golf. So. He's just competitive everything he does. I have mad respect for that guy. 100%. He was, um, I'll say this about the Toby Mac. He, when my bands were young, I wanted, you know, the bands take their cues off of the older bands. And so, yeah, it's like young bands, who do I want speaking into their lives, even if they're out touring with them? And I remember I called Toby, this is, I don't know, 2000 something, telling about the Cutlass Boys and just asking him, I'm not asking you for anything. Other than if you see them at a festival, would you just speak into their life? You know, do those little Toby wisdoms. And, and man, he took that super seriously and really, really appreciated it. His work ethic is unparalleled, his commitment to excellence and, you know what, his commitment to the gospel. So he was a great mentor for young bands and, you know, kept them competitive, kept them working hard. And I mean, I, just, I really I respect the heck out of that guy. Yeah, 100 percent. So that's the story of the voice. <laughs> Toby Mac in your voice. Yeah. And then this past week was Father's Day and um, continuing through John chapter 15 through the um, Believe series as we're just trucking through this kind of a section at a time wrapped up the 15th chapter on Father's Day. Did you have a good Father's Day? I mean, I did. I mean, you know, I, I did. It was, you know, it's a long day. It's a work day. Um, so I didn't, I mean, I, st- I, I took a little bit of a nap. I did uh, I did throw some porterhouses. That's good. Is that the plural? Porterhouse? Porter, yeah. Uh, so we had, we, we definitely got home at, I don't know what time, it was, seven or eight o'clock Sunday night, and I just pounded a steak. It's good. Just smashed it. Earned, well-deserved. Don't remember much. I woke up like in a in a pool of sweat and shame about an hour later. What, what happened to that steak? I guess I ate it. And you 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 were a little bit off the not off the rails. That's the wrong phrase. Well, it, it's not far from what happened. You were you were you were wound up Sunday because there was some there was some some crazy things to kind of talk through that you, you dabbled in, but you always find levity in the, in the tough topics, which is, I think what people love about when you teach. <laughs> um, Maybe it's because if you don't laugh, I mean, I'm going to end up crying. So oh, we've got to find something funny in it. There's so much happening in the world. And, you know, one of the things you kind of brought to the table um, in talking about the end of chapter 15, which is, which is really just a reminder that, you know, the world will hate, us, um, because of our, our allegiance to the kingdom, our allegiance to Jesus, our association with the savior, the Messiah. And you, you, uh, started off the talk with a, um, a, a book, an author that maybe people haven't heard of, but is, man, she has such an incredible story. Yeonmi Park, the North Korean that defected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and made her way to the U.S. Incredible story, and yep. she's she's making waves right now. And and my gosh, was on found her way to the Joe Rogan podcast this past year, who has forty million listeners. Yeah, that didn't suck for her at all. Um, in telling her story, and you opened the teaching with that. Well, her so she just released this new book, 
So if, if, if no one's ever, if, if you haven't heard of her and you're looking for a beach read that'll, um, it's not lighthearted, maybe not, maybe not a beach read. Um, but her book, The Girl with Seven Names, I stumbled into it. I want to say five or six years ago is one of those. I don't know if you've ever do the Audible or the uh, Amazon. Very rarely do the recommends of their algorithms get it right with me. Like I'll, I'll see a recommendation going. You're a complicated man. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe so the I, algorithms haven't quite caught up to your level of readership. Well, it's and maybe that's it. Because you would think I would want to read a Garrison Keillor book because of, you know, Prairie Home Companion and whatever. But I don't want to read his stuff. I like listening to him on the radio. But anyway, but but the girl with seven names, for some reason, it stood out to me. Uh, it was a girl who had escaped from North Korea. And uh, and it's the, the seven names because every place she got, she had to change her identity to a new one. And I mean, it was a harrowing story. Which is not easy. Like, you don't just escape from North Korea. No, because so escaping from North Korea means the people you leave behind could be executed or sent off to work camps for the rest of their lives and most likely would be. Um, that's if you get out. And then if you get out, the only real path out is through China and China will just put your butt on a bus and send you right back again. And so if you go through China out, which is the, the only way really out, you end up in an underground railroad, so to speak, but there's no formal. So you end up, which is what happened to her, you know, sex trafficking and her mother. And I mean, it's just, it's insane what happened with her and the amount of times that she was uh, lied to and arrested. It was just crazy. She ends up in South Korea, gets a lot of the same experience, you know, of, of being oppressed. And, you know, so yeah, The Girl with Seven Names, a great book, but she just released an, a new book, which I guess is what put her on the Rogan podcast. But while, while time remains... And it's sort of the pickup of her story after arriving in the United States, um, specifically at Columbia University and, and, and her experiences there. And I'd heard her say this in an interview a few years ago, and I remember thinking, wow, that's really terrifying. But that what she was hearing from the professors at North, uh, North Korea and Columbia University was exactly the same ideology that she would get in North Korea. Uh, not the least of which is they were told by their dear leader, Kim Jong-un, that the uh, American bastards is what they're, so that's what they, if you, you know, you don't hear anybody over there say Americans, they say American bastards. And so, and they have no outside world, there's no internet, there's no, so all they're hearing is from their dear leader. And what they hear of is like this unnamed, unspoken monster called the American bastard that is trying to keep him down and destroy them. And so she gets to Columbia University and she's like, oh, wow, this is the same thing, except for here it's the, the white man, the American white male is the enemy. And everything is about oppression from the American white male. And right down to if you, if you don't say what you're supposed to say, you are in our American world, you're canceled, you're marginalized, exactly what happens in North Korea, with the exception that there you're getting sent to an internment camp. But it's the same principle, which is that you are... Uh, ostracized and alienated because of uh, you, you, because you're not towing the line, and and the idea being that literally that you know one of the lies that she told that that, that they were taught to be true that she didn't even really figure out I think until she got to America was that one plus one actually does equal two. Their dear leader made the statement. Uh, this is actually this might have been Kim Jong Un's father um, from the Kim Dynasty. 
that uh, miraculously that he discovered for the first time ever that one plus one does equal one because one drop of water and one drop of water means one drop of water. And the idea being that there is no individual, that we're all part of Kim, the Kim family and the Kim dynasty, and we all serve him. And so she comes here and now the lies are that, you know, a man can be a woman and that, you know, but we're all being told that that's true and you got to act like it's true. The 78 uh, genders that are out there. And, and, and I don't know if, I hope people aren't tired of us talking about it because the fact of the matter is, is it's literally happening under our noses in our universities. So when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in John 15 and 26, 27, he once again calls him the spirit of truth. And I didn't fully appreciate why that mattered so much until we started living in a world that was predicated on, on lies being true. Um, and I was, I was, you know, I should have, I mean, common sense, but if Satan is the father of lies, then this is what we should expect, that lies, we're being told lies and told to, to believe them. And that's actually the history of every, every tyrant in history. That's where they're born out of is forcing people to believe lies that are true. The one thing that seems different in our culture that I don't know, maybe this is Brave New World got this, but Orwell got it wrong, is that it didn't start with one person controlling it all. In our world, it's an ideology from an elite class of people that are towing the line without being forced by the government. And in fact, in some cases, what we've seen with the Twitter files is that our, some of these tech companies, they're forcing uh, the government and the government is, I guess, for, yeah, asking them to maybe, so maybe it's symbiotic. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Is it, is it that the, there isn't one guy making all the calls like it would be in, in North Korea here? It's like a, a group of people that are making the call. Yeah, it's like a mind hive, right? Like there you go. That's a better word for it. More it, terrifying, I might add. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's with a contagion, like an ideological contagion. That it's like it. Oh man, it's hard to contain. Yeah, and like once it's out, it's it's like it's almost as if um, folks find safety in it. Like well, like there's like there's there's community in it, right? And that it's it's spreading like wildfire, though, and that's what I guess I can't. We it's hard to reconcile to understand like what's the end game. Right. Like, well, the, the thing we remember the movie Inception. Yeah, uh, for sure. Fantastic. Heads up, Caleb's about to fly with us on a couple long flights. Don't watch that one on a plane. Any any time when you might be nodding in and out of a, a of sleep, <laughs> don't. That's one you don't want to be. You're like, wait, what the heck? Where am I now? Um, but. The Leonardo DiCaprio's character in that, you know, was said, hey, the, the, the most uh, powerful thing in the world is an idea. And that was the idea of Inception. If I can go deeper in there and plant an idea in your brain. Um, it, and it's hard to understand that. But again, getting back to Yomi Park, you know, she was saying that, uh, I think it was in this book now, that, where she talked about that the, uh, the part of their dear leader was that their tyrant was, he said that we're all being starved by... Uh, by the American bastards. And it never once occurred to her, and this was, she did say this was once she got to the United States, that it was the first time it occurred to her that that wasn't true because the dude is rotund. And he really is. Like, he is, like, he hasn't probably seen his feet in a while. Do you know what I mean? He's he's that level of, of uh, full-figured. Like, it's been, it's been a minute. Um, 
But it never occurred to her because the idea was that planted in her mind. So by this point, she's fully aware this guy is a crook. He's a liar. He's a whatever. But it took a while to get the idea out of her head um, is some of the most obvious things. So the, the most powerful thing is an idea. And maybe that's why the spirit of truth, I mean, I'm sort of thinking out loud here, but the Holy Spirit is about renewing our mind, right? And maybe that's part of it is Jesus understanding, hey, there's a lot of things that you're going to think are true that aren't. And the Holy Spirit's job is to be the spirit of truth and to help you wade, to wade through those. Yeah, the, the idea of live not by lies, you touched on this, um, was really brought forward in the past couple of years from Rod Dreher's book yep. of the same title, of course, Live Not By Lies, which is from, um, I always say his last name wrong. Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Who was, uh, who lived in Russia, mm-hmm. well, Soviet Union technically, yep. arrested in the, in the mid-70s. Um, I believe he was 1974 was when he was exiled to the United States. That's exactly right. February 12th, 1974. Huh. And, um, and so something that he said I found very interesting. Um, he said, even the most timid can take this least demanding step towards spiritual independence. If many march together on this path of passive resistance, the whole inhumane system will totter and collapse. Hmm. That was from War on the West, or Warning to the West, right? Yes, Warning to the West. I think that was 1975. Yeah. Um, you and I, well, I was going to say you and I, I was four. <laughs> I was negative you five. You were not even an itch in your daddy's pants at that point. You were like a child. You were like. <laughs> it was negative five. Negative five. Yeah. Your mom and dad were still playing uh, in their futures at that point. Um, but that should have been, by the way, enough for all of us, right? To like, okay, maybe we need to be paying attention, like warning to the West here. But man, we humans, so naive. And so um, I bring that up because many of you may not know we actually brought in um, author Rod Dreher um, last fall. And Darren, you, you did an interview of him um, on a on a weeknight that we live streamed and that has been recorded. And it was a really great conversation. If, if we you, should reshare that, right? Like, yeah. So throw that in socials. Yeah, or? We'll, we'll, we can reshare that and, and, and just mention it to those listening. If, if you go to our YouTube channel and just search Live Not By Lies or search Rod Dreher, um, you will you'll find that uh, interview. It's about an hour long, maybe a little more. Yeah. Um, and just some, some really good insight there, and just again another great reminder um, to be vigilant and to be that um, to be that resistance that pushes back upon ideas that just aren't true. Yeah. The thing that is so important about it that I. Like I understood it academically for probably most of my life, but and again, back to the spirit of truth, maybe this is part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, was the realization that in our country, um, it could happen as well. I had been so, so I've been in multiple totalitarian regime countries all over the world, and I have seen how horrible it is, and I have... It makes me just furious when I see people bad-mouthing our nation, because for all of our imperfections and challenges, we are, uh, we are the best of the worst options out there. <laughs> and our friends and families, you know, who live in these other nations, they're looking to us and saying, man, you guys need to get your crap together because when you make these, this affects us, you know? And 
the point being that I sort of didn't really think about, I was so busy and continue to be busy, by the way. This is not an either or equation on our global work. I just had this idea that locally there's enough pastors here that we'll, we don't have to worry because there's plenty of people here with their hand, you know, hand, you know, hand to the grindstone or is it your nose to the grindstone? Yes. Why would you put your nose on a grindstone? I'm sure there's a reason that that phrase. I don't think there used. could be. Huh. I, I'm, I'm now we're gonna have to look it up. Yeah, because I don't know. I would not want to. I've been. I've seen grindstones, and my nose has got enough problems. Or maybe it's an exfoliating. I don't know. <laughs> but I just thought there was enough people here t- taking care of this stuff, and so, you know, we obviously had a wake up call about three years ago, and now, um, it's just shocking to me that things that literally five minutes ago were, everybody agreed to have. You know, there was common sense is suddenly now controversial. In fact. Most of our listeners are uh, would be in a Christian world, whether California or shout out to Glenda and Andrew in Canada, you know, whatever, like, but not very many um, maybe would be in the Columbia University category. Although I might add, Stephen Sargent's daddy went to Columbia. Really? Yeah. He's, we talked a little bit after he went to the military and he's like, it, it is nothing like the Columbia University wow. that I went to. And by the way, like every Harvard, Yale, Columbia's no different. It was founded on a Christian principle. Their motto is, is, is actually pointing to light, the light of scripture, the light of Jesus. And that is just long gone in their lives. But even in our own city, in our own camps right now, this stuff is, this ideology, the, these lies are permeating our culture, our v- Belmont University, mm. which last I heard was about 40 grand a year. Just wow. canceled the Promise Keepers event because they made a statement on their website about uh, sexuality and gender ideology, stuff that you and I, I read the statement, it's not combative, it's not hateful, uh, it's not even controversial. Like, it's just Christian 101 biblical language around it and Belmont canceled them because some of their students would maybe not feel uh, safe. I shouldn't put words in their president's mouth, but... It said that the statement included comments that unnecessarily fan the flames of culture wars and are harmful to members of our community in regards to um, Pride Month in June. Yeah. Yeah, so here's their statement in, in the announcement. Promise Keepers, actually, this, this is the letter from, and I, I won't say who it came from. We There's a member of our congregation who is a professor on staff at the university. university. And so he forwarded me the letter that the president sent to, uh, I, I don't remember the president's last name, but the, the, the email that he sent to the staff, he makes the, the case that, uh, like he talks a lot about, well, I'll just read it. Promise Keepers incorrectly states why this decision was made, presents the inaccurate picture of our multiple conversations. Belmont informed the leadership of Promise Keepers that the event could not be held on our campus because of a blog the organization posted in light of June being designated as Pride Month, right, which is what they posted on their website. I, you, you, you can read this email to the staff, and what you notice immediately is that he really makes this about um, the Promise Keepers uh, mischaracterizing how they were canceled, but he makes no apologies for why they were canceled. Um, 
which is what you just said that, that, you know, there were words in there that made it unnecessarily. And I mean, <laughs> I'm again, reading it, it's like, you know, their declaration is that, you know, that true life is and joy is found when we reject sin. Uh, we know that our old cruci- uh, self was crucified with him. They say that gender ideology is an idol of cu- our culture and that it is a sin. It's poisonous. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in its end, it's, it's, it's death. Marriage is designed to, uh, by God for, to be for one man and one woman. So everything I'm reading, Promise Keepers, you know, is, is an orthodox faith-based organization. And Belmont is saying that this is, this is a dangerous ideology for our students. A Southern Baptist, not anymore. They did pull away from that. But in our own city, in our own and I, and I say this because, you know, parents, I, I'm somebody who's making decisions right now with, uh, or my kids are making, you know, my son is making decisions on university and what he's going to do. And um, the days of us being able to send our students into a university and not wonder whether the ideology is going to be forced upon them. Like there's very few kids that I would say, you know what, that kid, you send them in there, they're a wrecking ball. Like, I, by the way, in our own church, I'm just going to pull one out of my hat. There's a lot of them in our church family, but one that comes to mind immediately would be Savannah Kuhn, <laughs> Jason's daughter. I would pay money to watch her sit in a class with Yon Me Park <laughs> <laughs> and one of those professors. She would chew them up and spit them out, man. But the problem is, is that what, and what's what Park was saying was that we weren't being taught to think. We weren't being taught to seek the truth. We were being taught to memorize this. And if you don't say these answers, you actually don't pass the course. Yeah. Which is another way of saying you're being forced to live by a lie. There's an example of that that surfaced um, on Twitter this week um, of a Scottish um, university, um, a Scottish professor that was um, talking about gender ideology. And, and the individual in the classroom just stated that there are two, there's male and female. That's all he said. He's like, I, there's just male and female. I do not recognize that there's these other 72 or whatever. And the professor just loses his mind over this. And the interesting part is he kept saying, you can believe whatever you want, but the authority says that there is, you know, 72 or whatever the number was. Wow. And. Wait, no. And where was this at? Scotland. Scotland. And so they kept referring to the authority, the authority, meaning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which is so Orwell. <laughs> I like mean, that gave me the heaves. On the same level as like someone blowing a loogie out of their throat. Like that's gross. Like that, the authority, that's oh, gross. Oh, the video is is so scary. And, and this professor is an, he's an older, he's probably in his 60s, white male, and defending this because, I mean, probably his job's on the line. I don't know. But the authority says that there, that you must state this and anything else other than that, you are dismissed from my classroom. And it's just bizarre to watch this play out uh, on on the world stage. It's interesting of Belmont's statement where they say, and I kind of want to get into this just a little bit. I think we should, because here's the thing. If, if you've been around for a while, here's what I believe to be true right now, and I can back this up. What they are telling their donors is not this. Yeah. They are still acting to their donors like they are an orthodox, conservative, whatever. They wouldn't maybe use the word conservative um, organization. And if, so if you went to school there in the 80s, 90s, and even the early 2000s, whatever, 
you have an expectation of what's going on at Belmont that is not what's going on right now. This guy that they hired to bring in, by the way, they brought him from Duke Divinity School. They should have seen this coming from a mile away. There, there are t- if, if I see an MDiv the president, from, uh-huh. I, again, I cannot remember his last name, but so if you see Duke uh, Vanderbilt, uh, you know, with, <laughs> no with, doubt. An, an MDiv from any one of those organizations run as fast as you can, because if they manage to graduate from that, they either A, had to lie on their uh, exams and, you know, with their thesis, or they uh, have to buy in 100% with a worldview and ideology that is not Jesus. It is antichrist in place of Christ. President Greg Jones. Greg Jones. They say this statement, and this is what I want to kind of get into a little bit. Um, he says, yet as an ecumenical Christ-centered institution, we are also unequivocal in our belief in the value of each human being. And we are committed to engaging in constructive conversations that demonstrate kindness and seeking understanding. So I want to know where they draw the line. So is this, like, where is the line? Is this also going to include, at some point, pedophilia? Is this, does this include those that are, <laughs> in, like, as, 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 this, as this idol, like we, we just read um, in one of the statements, the, sex, the sexual idol that, that it has become, the gender ideology, this, this sexuality expands there's there's so many facets of it that includes pedophilia bestiality like it could keep going like where's the line which is the true that's the question that is where logic comes in where common sense where a brain is required and maybe i'll just put it differently where truth is required right which is that like so what's the line so for most of human history, the line was one man, one woman, right? That from the beginning of time was considered in every culture. Um, now, there were those who went into, you know, polygamy. And again, right. you, you can see immediately how that is a harmful way to raise families. Those women in a polygamous relationship in West Africa are starving, their children are starving because one man cannot do it, man, um, cannot cover it. And so I laugh when I say somebody, you know, when someone says that the Bible endorses polygamy, I'm like, have you read the Bible? Because first of all, Jesus is one man, one woman. And then secondly, whenever you see it happen and it's talked about in scripture where it's being described, their lives are destroyed. Like it's not a, a ringing endorsement for, you know, Song of Solomon is a ringing endorsement for one man and one woman. Like you could run laps in that as far as the endorsement of marriage and the way God designed it. But every time you see one more than one man and one woman, it is a disaster in their lives, including, I might add, Solomon, whose own life was a disaster because he couldn't get enough. So if there's, if there's just no actual line or standard being used, if Belmont is going to disregard any specific standard and all are included, like at what point, <laughs> like how does this play out right. in 10 years? What, what, well, what else is included? Yeah. Well, the problem with it is that it's is the word all, because it's not all, because you or I are excluded in that conversation. Yeah, because when we say we talk about sexual sin, that's pornography, it's adultery, it's not just same-sex marriage, it's not just transgender ideology. The entire spectrum of sexual sin is all covered under that, 
so if someone were to challenge me in my younger life about my, let's say, living creatively as a young man, I had a couple of options. One was to not listen at all, right? But in, in, in the other was to, you know what, to admit that, hey, you know what, this is actually wrong and I'm hurting myself and hurting those around me. I never once made it an identity. That's, you know what, I am a heterosexual male. That's just who I am. That's how I'm made. I want to be with lots of women. You know, you are hateful, bigot, by saying that I can't do this. But that line is what has been crossed now here. So it's something like what Greg Jones is saying is that if you are a heterosexual male, heterosexual female that believe one man and one woman, that you are not allowed to speak because it might offend somebody, while at the same time someone with a transgender ideology is allowed to speak freely, even though it offends, because it very much offends me. And, you know, they don't seem to have any problem with offending us. So when he says kindness, what he really means is uh this is the line that I, a new line that I have created. It's not a line that Jesus created. He says kindness to, you know, ex-students. Being clear is being kind. Telling the truth is being kind. Telling, you know, young men and women in, in West Africa, you know what? Your mom and dad's, you know, I'm sorry, your, your dad and mom's, you know, you can go and be just happy with as many wives as you want. That's not a kind thing to say because it's not true. Spirit of truth. Truth is kind. And, you know, Greg Jones, they can call this a Christian university all they want, but that is not Christian. It is not Christ-like. It is a, a recreation of who Jesus is. Um, and I wouldn't give a dime of my money to that organization, period. Yeah. Not that I ever did, by the way. I get so angry when I see these universities that are charging 40, 50 grand a year, putting children in trillions of dollars of debt, and then the nerve, man, the cojones to send out the, hey, Ed, we need more money. Can you give us more money so we can sit on these giant endowments? I don't agree uh, with Malcolm Gladwell and a lot of his ideology, but one thing I agree with fully, and that is that these universities like Yale, Harvard, that are sitting on like $500 million, billion dollar endowments and still charging out the wazoo for their, you know, it's a, it's a crime what they're doing with that kind of money. I guess the other thing that's really frustrating is just how much, how much of a voice that they have in, in this conversation and, <laughs> you know, promise keepers is going to be able to find another venue. I'm sure. Oh, a hundred percent for their event. In fact, they did. It's a church in Houston. Oh, really? Yeah. If I, if I now, okay, someone should fact check me on this, but I'm 97% sure and it's the same church that uh, held George Floyd's funeral. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. With, uh -huh. But, you know, look, it, th th therein lies the beauty of what the body of Christ can be about, right? Which is we have some genuine things we need to be talking about. There is actual genuine oppression in our country. And, you know, as in every country, we're not, a, we're not remotely unique to that. But the, you know, alphabet mafia attaching themselves to actual oppression uh, in the name of their own oppression. I think, I don't remember if I talked about it this week, maybe it was last week on the Deeper podcast, but the idea that, you know, we, we can't love the oppression because right in our culture right now, being oppressed is actually, if you can figure out a way to say you're oppressed, it actually gives you power in our country. Like, look how much power them claiming oppression just gave them in 
this, that Belmont would cancel a nationwide organization with a history of doing amazing things in this country gets canceled because of a culture of uh, that these people are oppressed, and so therefore we got to cancel these other people. Does ACLJ have a case here? Boy, that's a good question. I'm curious what the contracts look like for an event, and is there a clause in there? I don't know. I mean, I just don't see how they're— Yeah. Well, so I did see an interview with uh, the president of Promise Keepers saying that they were not going to litigate it. That wasn't the plan. So I would guess there could have been a case in this somewhere. Interesting. I've wondered if—I mean, I don't know if I should say names. Oh, who cares? So Chaz Corzine, remember Chaz? Uh, Yeah, I know who Chaz is. He is in charge of the— arena over there now. They hired him to do... I don't think he was involved in this, but I don't know that to be true. Um, but if anybody knows how to write a contract, it'd be the guy that's managed some of the biggest names in CCM music in history. <laughs> so he would have... He, he would know how to write a contract like that. But I would think... You know, I mean, I don't know. Look, it, it, maybe... <laughs> it's what happened to, to Ramsey Solutions back in 2020. The Marriott cancels them. That's true. You know, and... Dave did sue them, but it, what he really did was it just made him so mad. He just built his own theater because he's like, you know what? I'm never going to be a hostage to woke capitalism again. So, you know, to his credit, uh, let me tell you what, the, the, you'll never find anything more fun than a hillbilly with a lot of money <laughs> because <laughs> cause they don't need pitchforks and torches. They just build their own stuff now because they don't have to, you know, otherwise, I mean, I remember in the nineties when, uh, when they were talking about adding a state income tax, this was long before you were in Nashville and Dave rightfully so blew a gasket and it was like a parade of Lexi and Mercedes, circling the Capitol, honking their horns, and... Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't have any pitchforks and torches, but they had headlights and steering wheels, and they shut that down, man. Uh, hillbilly with money, man. Don't screw with them. Uh, and it's like, for us, in our world right now, as a church, as Jesus people, I, I don't know a plan other than Solzhenitsyn's advice, which is to live not by lies. And that's what the power of the Holy Spirit is for us. Acts chapter 2, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And that's what we need. I, I would say that without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's not It's not that it's hard. I think it's impossible to do this. Yeah. To, to just get up every day and live in a world that just hates you. And I talked a little bit about it on Sunday. That when they talk about the world hating us, it's the the powers of darkness, the principalities and, and the powers and the high places that have been around since before humanity. You know, when Satan himself was thrown from heaven, declares war on God, and then in the Garden of Eden, when mankind joins in that rebellion against God and then Genesis six. I couldn't help myself; had to drop a little bit of into. I saw that, or I heard that. You know, into that because that's the battle. It was this battle is ongoing. It did not end in Genesis seven. The, you know, all the the Nephilim, all that it was all they were all wiped off the earth, but their their spirits are still here. And so there's a there is a battle against us. And so it's why a lot of times you can talk to somebody about God, but you bring up Jesus. 
I will say this. I, we were talking about this at the Uganda meeting uh, Monday night. You can talk about God, and they don't argue with God because they have lots of gods over there. But you say Jesus, especially in front of a demon-possessed person, and it's like turning the light on. Um, that that's when the, that's when it goes down. And so we go into a village that where the gospel has never been proclaimed. There's never been a church ever. And you start, you know, you've got demonic forces, principalities. They've been minding their own business, oppressing people for thousands of years. And we come in there and poke them. Completely undisturbed. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? You're, we're, you're screwing up our entire vibe, man, with Jesus. Wow. Which is, I mean, we'll see it. I promise you, we'll see it this time again. We're going to open this church. It's in the middle of the bush. And you don't have to do the altar call. Does anybody feel like you're demon-possessed tonight? You don't have to do that. There will be thousands of people there. Just by saying the name Jesus. Say the name Jesus, and it will be like Jiffy Pop with demons, man, like one over here and one over there, and then suddenly somebody's falling over like five rows of chairs. And Unbelievable. Un- it's amazing, but it's real, and those demonic forces are still alive and well today, and they hate Jesus, because he was the one, Genesis 3.15, the proto-evangelicum, the very first mention of the gospel, that her head will, her seed will crush your head. They know who that seed is now. They hate Jesus. And so they're going to hate us. And so I, I look at that and say that there are those, like Greg Jones, who, whether or not he's a hostage of the enemy or a hostage of ideology, I don't know. But we don't hate him. We want him to be free. We want him to find the freedom in Jesus that we found and, and that it's not just an academic exercise, that there is a Holy Spirit, a spirit of truth in it. And at the same time, we don't sit by and let someone like Dr. Jones say whatever the heck he wants without speaking back to it. I think it was Gabe Lyons I heard this week say that as many as 50% of pastors in America are not saying what they believe from the pulpit because of the fear of reprisal. Yeah, I saw that stat. I think, I'm trying to remember if he pulled that from a Pew study that came out recently. It might have been, I mean, he might have been from Barna. I mean, you know, he wrote a book for Barna back in- That's right, maybe it was Barna. 2010 called Unchristian. Yeah, um, I saw something about that recently that was stating how so many pastors are are a, a, essentially afraid to state what they truly believe for the sake of losing their flock. It's funny. I have, I have mixed feelings. Maybe I need to talk with Herndon about this. I have a lot of feelings around this. You're a therapist. Because <laughs> it hurts me. It's sad. It makes me angry. To think one out of every two pastors uh, are, 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 are hesitant to share yeah. what they truly think and believe. There's empathy from, from me still. I mean, I try to be a, hey, I can see their point kind of guy. If you went to a, a seminary that told you to, like we talked about last week, just preach the gospel, and, and you think that your job as a pastor is, is very, you know, whatever, whatever was you were taught at, you know, Dallas Theological Seminary, um, I have empathy there, but at the same time, are we going to listen uh, to the Bible or are we going to listen to the seminary? Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, this is not a political thing. This is a this is a human rights thing. This is a spirit. It's it's a religious thing. It's moral. Yeah, morality. And we have all kinds of uh, we're we're like we have a corner on the market on morality because God created it. Without back to your question, of where's the line? Who gets to decide the line on morality? Does Doctor Jones? Because apparently he thinks he does, and he's ignoring the one that God drew in the line uh, line in the sand of morality. 
So if we believe that God drew a line in the sand of morality and we're silent about it, I don't know, that, that the, the most scary scripture in the Bible is those, there will be those, it's in Matthew 24, there will be those, or wait, is it 24, who come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, I did this for you, I did that, I cast out demons, and he says, away from me, I never even knew you. That, that should give all of us pause, especially, especially pastors. There's a high responsibility. James talks about it. Those of you who desire to teach, you better be sure, you know. It's a true story that I, that was, that and my children were the two main hesitations for me saying yes to being a pastor. Yeah. The children being the most obvious because Satan has a soft spot in his heart for pastor's kids. But that, that James thing, those who desire to teach, you better be right because there's a huge responsibility on you. And I looked to some of my pastor friends that have walked away from the Lord and man, God have mercy on their souls. Like it breaks my heart. You know, I was watching, there's a friend of mine who was a pastor in Kansas City and he has lost his ever loving mind as far as truth. I don't even know what he's talking about half the time. And you'll see people that will comment on his social media posts that were part of his church 15 years ago. And his church was never that large. You know, he always had a, uh, a, a desire for a 5,000 member church, but a, a gifting for a, apparently a 50 member church. But, um, but he, there are still people that are following him. And I don't know what it is about these guys that are Christians that decide they're atheists now that they got to start a new ministry. We're going to write books. We're going to go on a speaking circuit. We're going to be like, just go get a job and mind your own business. Like, you know, which anyway, sorry. Is this the tangent I was on on Sunday? Like, I need to figure out what's going on. I get so frustrated when something isn't true. Maybe that's just it. Yeah. When I'm talking about lies being true, there's hardly anything worse in my heart than that. Like, it's so maddening yeah. to see something untrue to be told to be true. Well, I think I, th I think you're just you're saying what we're all thinking. And you're saying what we're all feeling, and I think that's I think that's what draws people uh, each week. Uh, as part of our church family, um, when we come together is because we, we feel comfortable enough in this environment to, um, and, 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 and trust you to kind of share what we're all thinking. <laughs> it's like, we see these things happening throughout the week. We hear these things that are being said. We know they're not true. We know that they are, um, dancing around a moral standard. They're making things up as they go. It changes every day. And us as believers, we, we truly know the truth, like we, we have found the truth and it has set us free, John says. And I think my favorite verse in this chapter of uh, 15 is verse 26, uh, John 15, 26, that says, when the advocate comes, the, the verse that starts with when the advocate comes, probably the, the best part of that little phrase is just the word when, not if. Yep. When he comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. There's so much promise and hope in that. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that he's not leaving us alone. I tried to dip into that a little bit on Sunday of what, of that word paraclete that we really yes. don't have a word for. So it takes like seven of our English words to try to encapsulate one concept. In wow, this. yeah. Um, 
And somebody sent me, uh, Tim Reno sent me a text afterwards. He said, is it bad that the only thing that I really took away from your sermon today is that the Holy Spirit's job is to tell me to keep it down, <laughs> calm down? Because <laughs> that's part of what the Holy Spirit's job is, right? Is to, you know, speak now, hold your tongue now. Uh, you don't have to be afraid now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like my attorney when I've, you know, in, in the past being represented in lawsuits, or whatever, like the attorney going, hey, Darren, you need to shut your fat trap. You're not, you're not doing yourself any favors right now. <laughs> and on the other hand, telling me, hey, and now's when you speak up. Now's when you tell the well, truth. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's verse 27, right? Verse yeah. 26 starts with, you know, when the advocate comes, he will testify about the Father. He will testify about Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Spirit. In the very next verse, and you also must testify. So trust in the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and then speak up. Yeah. And the, the promise there, the testify is about Jesus. Yeah. I think that's where, if I look at where I've got myself in trouble in the past, is when I'm testifying about me and not about Jesus. Yeah. Good <laughs> reminder. And so, you know, trying to bootstrap my own agenda to Jesus, but testifying about Jesus you know, it's not that it's going to, uh, they're not going to hate me because of it. And I say they, meaning the principalities, powers, and, you know, dark places and all that. Um, but, uh, but testifying about him, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to do. You know, the advocate, he's the, he's the lawyer. He's helping me with my testimony, he, you know, which is what my attorney did. He doesn't coach me to tell me here's how to lie. My attorney said, here's how to tell the truth. That's what the advocate did. And this is a word that the legal, you know, uh, the legal minds of ancient Greece used as a, as the, for a lawyer, a parakletos. And so having a good attorney to keep you, you know, in the words of Kenny Rogers, no one to hold him, no one to fold him. Man, I think I've shared this before. I don't remember, but I, I had to, I was in the middle of a, I guess it's not necessarily a lawsuit, but um, a, a civil matter. I had to represent myself. Really? Yeah. Like small claims? Small claims court. That's what it was. Judge Judy? There was a judge involved, but... I, was I, I never knew this. I, f- I feel like I've told you before. It's been a long time. But I was 22, 22 years old and could not afford, obviously, Yeah, they're not volunteering their time. So I did what I've, I guess I've always done. I just researched and researched and researched and put it all together and uh, was going, going up against a former employer that accused me of things that were patently false and I had all the proof and... Yeah, I represented myself. <laughs> were, they, up, were they asking for a financial settlement? Was that the? Yeah, yes. And um, ended up winning uh-huh. the case. But I remember feeling so alone in that moment. I'm in, a, I'm in a little courtroom, me and my former employer and a judge and a whatever it's called. Um, somebody there taking notes. <laughs> and court, court reporters, what those are called. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just a kid. But man, how, how, how it would have made, you know, would have helped to have, you know, someone there to calm yeah. me down. That's knowledgeable. That's under understanding of the law. Um, to that's interesting, man, because that's, uh, funny because that's actually the, the, the picture here is you're not going to, you're not, I'm not going to leave you alone. Yeah. There's an advocate. I'm going to send a lawyer for you. Gosh, that would have been nice. They're going to be there with you. You know, the lawyer speaks to you, speaks on behalf of you, but he does not speak instead of you. Yeah. He's there to help you speak. Because it was a lonely feeling. Yeah. It felt way... It must have been terrifying. Terrifying. You know, I'm trying to support my family and... I think, is the max in small claims, it used to be five grand. I don't know what it is now, but 
It was around that. When you're 20 years old, like five grand is everything, man. (laughs) You know, it's like, that's so much money. Yeah. I mean, so much money. I'm 52 is a lot of money. When you're 20, that's like a devastating concept. Well, and just to clear my name, because it was just this false thing that they brought and it was just so ridiculous. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm having to do this. And, but yeah, just the loneliness, the point being the advocate, the Holy Spirit brings so much um, clarity brings companionship. You're, you're not alone. You can lean into the Holy Spirit to guide you and protect you and, and speak on behalf of you and give you the words to speak when you need to speak up. And I, I would encourage all of us to lean into the comforter, the advocate. Um, like you said, instead of relying on our own strength and our own advocacy for our own selves, we do not have to do this alone. There's such a promise, um, Paul makes to Timothy, you know, the Holy Spirit inspired chapter three, last recorded words of Paul. And he says, Mark this, like, write this down. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to need to know this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving slanderous, without self-control, brutal. It's literally like you could cross-reference that with your Twitter feed, by the way. Oh, I mean, it's exact. Conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do, have nothing to do with such people, having a form of godliness, verse 5, chapter 3, but denying its power, which is the Holy Spirit. Um... He goes on to say, they're the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. This is a whole other podcast waiting to happen, but something that is, I've, I've had a front row seat to, and I know there are stats around this right now, is the amount of females right now that are exploring their sexuality that are, I mean, I have a pastor friend in this town that was no longer a pastor whose wife was experimenting with her sexuality with other women, with his tacit endorsement, I might add. Um, and I'm, I was watching that happen and unfold in real time and the destruction in their family and thinking that's what he was talking about. It's not that just women, but he's, Paul was basically saying it's, it's not just going to be men screwing this one up. It's going to be women too. Men have had a long history of, uh, of our ability to, you know, screw things up all the way back to the garden. But Paul's saying in the last days, it's not just going to be the men chasing their sexual desires. It's going to be females as well. Um, but this is what I, what, this is what I was thinking about with Dr. Jones, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So they're coming to knowledge just not the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. These are men of depraved minds who, as far as their faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far, as is in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now, I don't know the clear to everyone if that's on the day of judgment or if eventually we're all going, you know what, uh, like in Africa, hey, you cannot, a man cannot be a woman. You know, it is a penis. You cannot be a woman. Um, <laughs> the folly is apparent to everyone. I don't know if that's the side of heaven or next. And, and look, I don't know Dr. Jones, so I'm not saying that he is that guy, but I'm saying that if this is the path you're on, that's the logical conclusion of it, which is destruction in your own lives. And so, again, have mercy on Dr. Jones' soul. Have mercy 
on every pastor, leader, voice in our love leadership in the in the Christian world who are steering people astray uh, because God doesn't think that crap's funny. Lean into your advocate this week, the Holy Spirit, and um, we're we're just so grateful to to be able to hopefully give you a little bit of encouragement and a and some clarity in a confusing and chaotic world that we live in. So thank you for joining us each week. Um, if you haven't watched that Rod Dreher interview, I would encourage you again to go to our YouTube channel at Conduit Church and search Live Not By Lies, and that'll pop up and, and kind of get caught up on that. It was a fantastic conversation. We're going to be out the next week or two. We've got summer plans, some things happening. And so uh, we'll be back as soon as we get the opportunity. Thank you once again for joining us this week. 